Hi guys, welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. Again, it's a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, uh, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Uh, today's uh, another special episode, uh, but before we get to the guest and I let him introduce himself to you all, again, you can find the podcast on YouTube, um, on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, and also on Instagram. Uh, you can just look at my name. You can find the, the links um, to the podcast there as well. We ask that you continue to like and continue uh, to share. Uh, so again, like I said before, we have a special guest on the podcast. I'm going to let him introduce himself to you guys. My name is Hasten Hanley. I'm a 2016 and 2017 graduate from the Memphis School of Preaching. Uh, I graduated from the two-year program and then the missions program. And Jordan and I served together as youth interns at Forest Hill to where uh, we did a lot of uh, really kind of what this podcast has been centered around and just talking and growing as Christians. And uh, I'm glad to be on this podcast. Yeah, I, I tell people all the time, if it wasn't for Hasten, uh, when I came to the school and when they added me on as the uh, kind of the intern under him, you know, I wouldn't know as much as I know now about youth work and logistics and all the other stuff. So I learned that stuff from uh, from Hasten. And just like he talked about, we had a lot of uh, talks and late night talks in the uh, in the youth room, you know, midnight, one o'clock you know, eating cold pizza or, or whatever, just talking, you know, we always had some good conversation and he, he helped me grow a lot. So uh, I'm glad that he can be on this podcast with us today. Um, so Hasten, we're going to be talking about uh, enduring the storms of life. And when we talk about enduring those storms, you know, we were supposed to be on here, you know, at 11 o'clock It's now 1149. <laughs> and those 49 <laughs> minutes, we were both uh, on both ends having trouble with our with our technology so you know he talked about man th- this this topic actually we're, we're being tested right now. <laughs> we're being tested right now right and I was telling you before we got started that ever since you asked me to uh, talk with you about enduring the storms of life uh, I guess it was sometime last week nothing has gone right for me since then <laughs> Uh, to the point where I ordered Christmas cards with uh, for, with pictures of my wife and I, and it ended up, we picked them up after a 30-minute drive to Walmart, and uh, we looked down at them, and all the pictures were right, and I forgot to change the name on the card. So we have a default name. I think it's the Williams family with seven <laughs> children listed underneath, and there's pictures of me and my wife and our cat, and so it just doesn't fit. So sometimes in life, you just have to endure the things that life throws at you. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about here today. So, <laughs> you know, when we're talking about, you know, enduring the storms of life, you know, I think about, you know, if if we were in um, like a real storm, um, you know, and the weather's, you know, really bad outside and you can't leave, what else is there for you to to do literally? You literally just have to sit there and wait on the storm uh, to pass through. I mean, it's not like, you know, you can go outside, you know, like like Captain Planet and stop, you know, and stop the storm. And you can't do anything. You literally have to wait uh, for the storm to pass. So we're going to kind of take that concept, but we're going to uh, talk about how the scriptures talk about uh, enduring uh, the storms of life. And I know, Hasten, you wanted to talk about first um you know Matthew chapter 11 and again you know with this podcast for you listeners you know we like to talk about the bible and we don't use our opinions uh so we ask that you open up your bibles grab your tablets and follow along with us here but hasten i know you mentioned um you know Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 uh and verse number 30 yeah that's one of my favorite passages in the bible because the more you look into it and the more you kind of dig deep into what it's saying, the more it really hits home. Uh, It says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, I always heard this verse growing up. I, I think a lot of people have. And when you think about it, 
one, there's no better place to turn than God. Right. Uh, he just straight up tells us that. But yet we also see in verse 30 something that a lot of people kind of misconceive. When it says, for my yoke is easy, a lot, uh, especially me, uh, I'll say it for myself. I don't know if everyone else thought this. I always thought of a yolk of an egg. I did too. (laughs) Something that's easy to be broken, something that if you break it, it makes a mess everywhere. Yeah. But that's not what it's saying. Uh, If you go back even 200 years in our history, uh, there was the thing called the yoke that all farmers used. They would put the yoke on two uh, donkeys or two cows and they would pull it together. Well, if you were to put uh, a big animal on one side and a small animal on the other, usually the big animal would have all of the weight behind it and it would have all the weight on it. And that's what Christ is saying here is, I will bear the burdens that you have on your shoulders. I will help you as long as you turn it over to me mm-hmm. and I will make it constantly easier for you. And to me, there's not anything better that we can do than turn to God. Right. You know, I, you know, Hasten, you know, we talked about having those kind of late night conversations because at the time, both of us were kind of going through the, the same thing, but different situations. Um, you know, I think in life, there's nothing greater than when you're going through something to have somebody else go through the same kind of concept or thing that you're going through because at, at times we can get to the point where uh you know we feel as if okay no one else has gone through this or no one else can feel what I'm feeling or and then you make your situation bigger than everyone else that's ever lived but what you talked about here in verse 30 where he talks about you know give your burden up to me it's amazing to know that Christ can actually not only just listen but actually understand exactly what you're going through. And then he can be the one to help ease that yoke that's upon you. And I love that point um, of what you brought up there, man. Right. And to go along with that, uh, the Hebrews writer even mentions in Hebrews 4.15, for we have non-high priests which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Right. Uh, Christ is, uh, what's the old saying? I've been there, done that, and got the t-shirt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Christ has been where we are and he's endured it and he is here to help us as long as we look to him. Yeah. And, you know, going, uh, you know, along with another verse here, I want to bring up something else too. In in first Peter uh, chapter five, um, I know that's something that you wanted to mention there as well. Um, But it's another concept of casting our, our burdens uh, upon him, uh, upon him here. Uh, And so if we can read that here, uh, and you listeners follow along with us here. First Peter chapter five. Uh, I think we're starting verse uh, number six, right, Hasten? Uh Yes, sir. That's what I have. Yep. All right. Let me, I still have that old Bible from the school. So I've got <laughs> ripped up pages. So I got to make sure everything's all good. here. <laughs> all right. First Peter chapter five, um, starting in verse number six. First of all, the Bible tells us to humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. But then a lot of people forget verse seven. You know, we always talk about verse six, you know, humble yourself. But verse seven, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. I know you have some things to say about that. Uh, Yeah. We were talking about this just a minute ago that you and I have a lot of the same passages. Yeah. And uh, I guess great minds think alike, but I've been, uh, I've been preaching through First Peter since, uh, I guess it was the first Sunday evening of October. And Lord willing, we'll conclude the, the whole study this week, maybe next week, who knows with me. <laughs> but uh, I've noticed a lot in First Peter, it's just talking about enduring persecution and enduring afflictions and hardships. And Peter hits it home right here. He says, cast all your cares upon Christ, for he careth for you. These are people who are being beaten, who are being thrown in jail, who are being persecuted for just wearing the name of Christian. Right. Uh, If you go back through history, it seems that was written right at the beginning of the persecution under Nero. 
uh, and ultimately culminating in uh, the destruction of Jerusalem where Nero pinned down the Christians. And that's what uh, Peter is saying here is, you're about to go through some tough times, but put it all on God and he will, he cares for you. He's not going to see you, uh, you know, die for nothing. Right. And I don't know if you've, if you've hit this in your own personal study yet or when you taught it, but as I look at that word um, care in verse number seven, I think in the Greek, that word means anxieties. And, and so, you know, you think about the anxieties that now, obviously, you know, if you're going through persecution, you know, like you talked about, that's going to cause some anxiety. But you think about the anxieties um, that we have today. And I know, you know, mental health is such a big thing now. Um, people always talk about your mental health. But, you know, with anxiety, sometimes people feel as if, there's no one else I can talk to about this because if I talk to somebody about this, they really can't help me as much as I need it. So therefore I'm going to bring all this stuff within me internally and try to fix it myself. And so then, well, then I'll take, um, you know, this medication for it, or then I'll, I'll do this for it. Not to say that those things don't help, but at the same time, we use that as the only solution. But then he says here, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I, I wanted to mention something, Hasten, um, and to our listeners here. If you go to Psalm chapter 37, that is one of my favorite Psalms here. Uh, we discussed this with Case um, a while back on the podcast that I did with him. But in Psalm 37, 5, um, the Bible talks about, it says, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You know, when I thought of commit, I used to think, you know, how at the Memphis School of Preaching, you know, they always said, you need to commit to this memory work, you know, Brother Mosier, you know, you need to commit to this or, you know, you, you won't get this right. That's what I used to think commit used to mean in the scripture. But that's not what commit means here. Commit in that text means to roll upon or to roll over. So I was like, okay, so what does that mean? So notice it says, commit thy way unto the Lord. And so it uses this example. You remember uh, Aladdin <laughs> and, you know, you see that the camels going through the desert and they're always carrying giant stuff on their backs. Well, camels, when they carry too much that they can't, it's too much for them to bear, they'll lay down. And then after they lay down, they'll roll over constantly until all that weight is off and then they'll get up and keep walking. So here in verse five, it goes along with exactly what you mentioned in Matthew and first Peter, roll your way or roll your anxieties, or roll your care unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and then he's going to bring it to pass. And I think that's such an awesome concept, man, that there's someone out there that can take all of those burdens. And I know if you remember, you know, we had so many nights in the youth room where we would talk for a while, and, you know, it, it did feel great to unload on you and you probably to unload on me. But at the same time, as much as we talked about the situations, we really, in a sense, couldn't help each other as we wanted to. Right. But it feels amazing to know that I can talk to God like I used to talk to Hasten all the time. And he can actually fix it, though. Like, he can actually do something. And, you know, with my faith, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. But at least I'm talking to somebody who can actually do something about it. Exactly. And I, I certainly understand, you know, having that listening ear because, you know, it feels great to get all of those cares and worries off of your chest. Oh, yeah. But uh, I don't know that you ever knew this, but almost every time that we would get done talking, I would walk out of the room. I'm sure you remember that. You yeah. usually thought, oh, he's just going home. Yeah. There was more times than not, I just walked out to the balcony and just prayed for 30 minutes. Yeah. For what both of us had talked about and just unloading everything that both of us had on God. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot that we had in those times, but yeah. uh, there was nothing that God couldn't, there was not the straw that broke God's back. Right. And never will be. I think that's a wonderful and comforting thought. And that's awesome to hear from you because I didn't even know that. 
Yeah. No, I thought, oh, well, you know, Hastings, you know, if, if you know Hasten, I thought he was going to go home and just eat some more Lunchables. <laughs> yeah. But when you left, you didn't know that after you left, I would go downstairs and I would, you know, those steps at Forest Hill before you get to the pulpit, I would sit on those steps and I would do the same thing you just did. Whatever we just got done talking about or whatever we were going through, I would pray about it for 30 minutes before I left to go to the apartment. Right. But we both knew at that time, it was great to have a brother in Christ to talk to. But at the same time, we didn't lift each other up more than God, because God's the one that can ultimately help us anyway. Exactly. And one thing I would like to talk about is a lot of times we like to think about the physical. Yeah. uh, Because it's difficult to think about the spiritual. But let's think about this literally and physically about turning to God when the storms of life are hitting. I I love looking at Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. We won't necessarily read all of it, but I just want to draw your attention there, and especially uh, if you're not afraid to mark in your Bibles, uh, (laughs) underline it or highlight it or do whatever. Uh, If you saw my Bible, Uh, A lot of times it's kind of difficult to read, (laughs) but this is a lesson that quite frankly, I, I loved thinking about. And there was one instance in Memphis that this happened more than anything. I believe you were on the retreat where we went to uh, Crowley's Ridge, Arkansas. Yeah. And they had that big lake right outside the cabins. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we split for a a guys and a girls devotional, and I had all the guys sit down by this lake with the wind whipping up and all the waves over it, and I just had them sit down and read this passage because it talks about Christ having all of the multitudes around him, and he goes off into a ship to be alone and to be with the apostles and to cross over the Sea of Galilee. And then all of a sudden, as it was common for the Sea of Galilee, this storm kicked up. And all of a sudden, there was this great uh, wind, and so much so that the water was getting into the ship. Well, the apostles and the disciples come up to Jesus and say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? How many times have we as Christians thought that very same thing? Yeah. God, don't you care that we are about to die in this situation? Yeah. And yet Christ stands up. First of all, he wakes up, yeah. then stands up and goes and rebukes the wind. And it was as calm as it could ever be. I don't know about you, but I would rather be with the God that can sleep through a storm rather than have to weather the storm. Man. Man and that's, oh, dude, you just brought so many thoughts. Just, just because, if, like you said, first of all, we elevate our physical problems up to a level where we feel like no one else can solve it. And sometimes, and I've fallen into this as well, where you elevate your, your problems so high that you feel as if like it's too high for God to solve because no one else knows how to solve it. Right. So if no one else here knows how to solve it, then God, who I, who I can't physically talk to or whatever, how can he handle it? So we, we elevate our problems. And then, like you said before, you know, I think Christ is kind of showing us, look, your problems can lull me to sleep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like literally I can just wake up and I can solve it like that. Mm-hmm. But with you, you're focused so much on the storm rather than who you have on your side. Right. And I, th- I think, like you said, I think sometimes we forget um, how powerful that Christ is, you know, and I know that I've fallen into that as well. Yeah. And that's uh it's something that, uh, let's see, I've, I started the Memphis School preaching when I was 17. Well, I just turned 18. So that was about five and a half years ago. <laughs> and ever since I got very uh, extremely serious in studying the Bible, that's been something I've had to work on every day. Yeah. That's realizing that God is so much more powerful than we can ever give him credit for. Um, yeah, I think 
Looking and, at my notes, I think that's about all I have to say about that. <laughs> and even before we move on to the next one, even in verse 40 um, oh, of Mark 4, when he, first of all, I think he asked two important questions here. First, he says, look, why are you even so afraid anyway? Now, obviously, now he understands us with our, um, you know, our physical being, knowing that we're going to be afraid. Um, but at the same time, he says, look, why are you so afraid? And how is it that you don't even have faith that I can help you? Right. I think that's when we fight, when we find ourselves uh, falling into sin is when we feel as if he can't solve it or we feel as if it's too hard, then we lack faith. Then, Oh, well, I'll, I'll just go handle it. Or I'll do. There's so many, um, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of instances in my life where I wondered, man, if I didn't like, what if I didn't take action? Like, what if I didn't do anything like with things, things probably would be a little better for me right now. Yeah. I just would have just chilled out and not, not done anything, but yeah. because I was too impatient and I felt like, like, dude, I got to do something. I got to say something. Like I got to make something happen. Then I messed it up. You know, I messed the situation up way more than what it should have been. You right. know what I mean? And you forget who's actually with you on the boat. Right. And as you were talking, I kind of glanced up in the uh, context of what we were reading when you were talking about, and how is it that you have no faith? Well, glance back up to verses 30 through 32, like right before we're seeing here, looking at this very passage, Christ is talking about having just a mustard seed of faith and how much that can do. And it seems no matter how many times uh, Christ preached on something, the apostles would turn around and prove the exact opposite of it. And he would almost have to say, are you not listening to me? <laughs> but isn't that just like us though? We'll, yeah. do, we'll do the same thing, you know, like, and I think a lot of Christians find themselves in this situation, Hasten, where they'll go to services on Sunday and Wednesday and they'll go when the, when the doors are open and they'll listen and they'll, they'll agree with the things that's being preached and taught and all that stuff. But then when they're actually put, in that situation where now it's not about just reading it anymore. Like you literally have nothing else, but you have to trust in God. Then that's when the scriptures become real. You know, now, now it's not just a book now, you know, now it's like, Oh, like it's, it's really happening. And that that dude, and that, and I think that goes great into our next kind of uh, transition here. So, you know, this first half, we kind of talked about, how we can get through the storms of life with God. Now, just uh, for the second half and before we close, we're going to get into a few verses of how we can use this and how we can use these storms in our life to actually grow instead of just being afraid in them. So I know you want to mention James chapter one here, Hasten. Right. And actually uh, looking at my outline, I would like to kind of go out of order for just a moment. We'll get to James chapter one yeah. uh, in just a minute. If that's all right with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, all you. <laughs> I want to mention Job first. Ooh. Uh, when we look at the book of Job, we find a man who had immense storms in his life. Uh, you look at Job, and a lot of people really just focus on chapters 1 and 2 and then verse uh, chapter 42. Yeah. And that's a great section to think about because Job lost everything. Chapter 1, he lost his children. He lost his livestock. He lost his home. He lost just about everything physically. Right. After two, he loses his health. He gets to a point where he is so physically sick and has so many problems that his wife looks at him and says, just curse God and die. (laughs) Uh, That is, that's a lot of things that you have to go through. Yeah. And then we, we kind of skip over so many chapters of his so-called friends talking to him and saying, well, you know, it's some sort of secret sin that you have that's causing you to to fall, that's causing you all these problems. Yeah. Well, you can go on for an hour about talking about friends <laughs> from that passage. But I want us to think about chapters 38 through 41. That's where Job had questioned God, and God says something here, that should hit home to all of us, uh, especially when we really, really think about everything that God is saying to Job. And 
I should have turned my Bible there just a moment ago. Uh, Job chapter 38 and verse 1, it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is it that darkeneth counsel by the word of knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and the answers thou ask me. Or When we think about that, Job had questioned God for so long. God said, well, stand up and be a man because I'm going to ask you questions and I want you to answer them. And how much more can you be put on the spot than for God to say, it's time for you to sit down and listen. You read through about 70 questions that God (laughs) asked Job. And then chapter 42 and verse five comes around. And you see one of the most heartfelt, most influential verses that you can ever have about faith and growing spiritually in difficult circumstances. Mm. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eyes seeth thee. How much more can you get when you go through losing everything? You've lost your family. You've lost the encouragement of your wife, you've lost your friends, you've lost your health, you've lost everything. And now Job says, through all of that, I've grown exponentially spiritually. He said, I used to just know you by the word of mouth. I used to serve you as a God because that's what my family did. But now uh, Job effectively says, I have unshakable, unmovable faith. Dude, I didn't even see that, bro. Like, I've read verse chapter 42, but I've never, I just glossed over verse Mm 5. But we do the same thing. Remember how the Bible talks about, for we walk by faith and not by sight? Mm -hmm. Job here, look, he's saying, look, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, Mm -hmm. but now I can see you now. And, you know, that's essentially Hebrews 11. That's what faith allows us to do. Faith allows us to see, first of all, allows us to see God, Hebrews 11.1. But then it allows us to see past the storm. Mm -hmm. And that's what, oh, man, dude, we can, okay, let me stop before I go down this rabbit hole here. But at the same time, we can use that to know Christ better. Going back to Mark talking about knowing that Christ is with you, the same God that helped Job here and that questioned him, but then that helped him later in the next couple chapters is the same God that you and I serve today. And so as powerful as he was in Job 38 through 42, he's just as powerful today. We just have to have that faith to believe that he can actually do something about your situation. Right. And you see the end of the book of Job. Job says, my faith has been exponentially built up, and God rewards him. But yet, that's the same God that countless times in the Bible says, turn to me. I will bear this load. I will help you out. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 restates a promise that was mentioned to Moses and then Joshua. Now, at the end of the verse, he says, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. If we are faithful to God, and if we seek God's counsel, it's not like he's just going to say, well, I've helped you out enough. I'm just going to, you know, five times is the magical number. I'm done with you. Yeah. That's not what God says. But uh, And even if, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go out of order here from what you have on your list, mm-hmm. talking about your, the trials that Job went through actually helped strengthen his faith. Just like you mentioned, First Peter chapter one, mm-hmm. you know, verses, uh, you know, six through nine, talking about, you know, the trying of your faith, dude, you know, and I, I did a podcast on this a while ago, just talking about how sometimes we run away from trial and we run away from the fire mm-hmm. because I think number one, we're afraid just like they were in Mark four. And then right. two, you don't have faith because we don't think we can get through the fire. So therefore, then I'm going to do my own thing. But here in First Peter chapter 1, um, verses 6 through 9, I want you to notice, and I hope you guys are following along with us here. Notice what the Bible says here. 
It says, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having seen ye love, and whom though you see him not, just like we talked about in Job 42, yet how can I see him? Yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable, uh, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. I think with these trials and these storms, Hasten, I think we need to, uh, let's see what's the right word, not be like slap happy, like, oh, sweet, like uh, an endurance today. Right. You know, not slap happy, but get to the point where I can relish in it. And I can be like, okay, I'm in this storm right now, but I'm going to go through this and I'm going to become better because I know, even though I might not know how it's going to happen, I do know my faith is going to be strengthened somehow. My only job, my only job is not to fix it. My job is not to try to manipulate the situation. My job is not to handle the situation. My job is to have faith. And however the Lord sees fit for it to work, I have to be okay with that. Exactly. That's that's the point that Peter is talking about here. Right. And uh, the whole reason I put this passage in here is because I, I watch a little bit of, you know, especially the YouTube videos where you, you watch people melt down gold and things like that. Yeah. Have you ever seen someone take gold ore and turn it into a pure gold bar? Uh, I believe we talked about this. Uh, it might have been first Corinthians class or something, but the whole idea, especially that to me seems like verse seven has is you take this gold and though we look at it as so precious and valuable, what happens to make it go from this rocky looking substance to gold? You have to heat it up, you have to melt it, and you have to get all the imperfections to rise up to the top, and you have to scrape that away. Well, that's the same thing that we have when we endure the storms of life. Mm. When storms come, there's one of two outcomes, and it's just like gold. You can either leave the imperfections on top, and you just hide all of your faith and your spirituality under imperfections. Mm. And allowing sin to take back over your life or you can scrape away the unwanted bits, the bits that the trying of our faith is trying to strengthen us in. Hmm. And we can come out of it looking more beautiful and pleasing to God because you can look at a bar of gold and it's pretty, it shines (laughs) and it's, it's pretty. But if you don't get the imperfections off, First of all, the value goes down exponentially. Yeah. Second of all, it's not as pretty. It's not desired. So we, with our faith, not only do we get to a point where we can see God, where we can believe in God to the point where our faith is built up constantly, but we also get to a point where, you know, we are more pleasing and acceptable to God. And he knows, like you talked about, and I love that example you brought up with the gold, how the perfections come to the top, but then they have to be scraped off in order for the gold to be finished. And so remember in Jeremiah with the late um, Brother Walker in his class, you know, I miss him and I miss talking about Jeremiah with him. The way he talked about Jeremiah was different than anybody else I've ever heard. When he talked about, I believe it's chapter one or chapter two, um, where he talks about Jeremiah, I've known you ever since you were in the womb. I've known who you are. So if God knows exactly who we are, he knows the good in us, but he also knows how I can get better. Don't you think, even though we may not understand the specific uh, mode, I guess, of the trial, because there's still some things in my life where I don't understand. Like, why did that have to happen? Like, I feel like things could have been better if that didn't happen or it could have happened this way. I don't understand right now, but the Lord knows the imperfection pots that I had 
and he wants me to go through the fire and then scrape that off so that I can be better for the next one. Because like you talked about, the Lord is, is going to help us out, but he's also going to put us through these trials. And he's doing this not because, you know, he flippantly wants to. You know, I remember Brother Moser talking about God's not just dangling you above a fire and, and, and says, like, Brother Moser, burn, burn. You know, that's, that's not what he wants us to do. But he's, he's also putting us through something in order for us to get better. He has a specific reason for everything. We just have to have faith to go through that. Exactly. And that's why I have James chapter one. Uh, that to me, really James chapter one paired with first uh, Peter chapter one are two chapters that focus so much on strengthening your faith. I mean, that's really what they are about. And James chapter one approaches it in a way that to me goes so far against the human mindset of how temptations work. Right. Uh, Jordan, you know, just as well as I do, James is a book that, well, we ought to know pretty well, yeah. uh, especially having to stand up and quote it, then sit down and write it. Oh. it. It's difficult. Yeah. But even more than memorizing it is putting it into practice. Right. And that's difficult. James chapter one, verses two through five says, my brethren, Count in all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Now, I mentioned this on several, for several reasons. First of all, putting it into practice enduring the hardships of life is difficult right i mean we can either grow from it or become bitter because of it Mm. and i think a lot of people know that but more than that how many times have you prayed for patience jordan how many (laughs) conversations we've had yeah a couple a couple hundred how many times have you prayed for wisdom same thing And how many times have you had a difficulty in life that have either added to your wisdom or added to your knowledge or patience? Both times. So when you think about it, uh, I especially love this saying. There's an older preacher here where I am uh, the preacher. He teaches Bible class and helps out some. Uh, He said, and I quote, my wife and I prayed for patience for years. And one day we prayed for patience and we found out uh, that we had a redheaded little boy on our way. (laughs) And they said, we've prayed for patience every day since then. And we've had the trying of our patience ever since that child was born. (laughs) And so that's kind of the idea that James is saying here is whenever you pray for wisdom, don't be surprised when you have a test that you need wisdom for. Not only that, because I, I don't want to seem like God is tempting us in any way. Right. I want to make it clear that in every situation that we're in, we can use that to either grow or to shrink. Mm. And so we need to be in the mindset to say, I don't care what I'm going through because what I'm going through is going to make me better. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole idea of life. Yeah. And I think like you said, man, when, you know, have you ever seen um, kind of in services or, you know, when the invitation is, is given and maybe someone hasn't been coming for a while, or maybe someone's been kind of spotty kind of in and out or, you know, you know, and they come forward and after they come forward, you know, 100% of the time for those two circumstances, they always ask for the Lord to make them stronger. They always ask for more faith. They always ask for more wisdom and all that stuff, which is that wrong to ask for? There's no, but like you said, if you ask for more faith, God's not going to put cotton candy situations in your life. You know, that's not going to happen to give you faith. That's not going to happen to give you wisdom. If you ask for faith or for more wisdom or for more knowledge, or let me be more patient with this, the Lord will 
like you said, you know, he's not going to manipulate the situation, but he will help you if you ask him, but it may not be in the mode that you want. And so most people, and this is what happens, Hasten, is they ask for that stuff. Then God um, works in their life in order to bring that into their lives, but then they get mad at God. Mm-hmm. And then therefore, then they'll stay out there because, well, God's not helping me. But they don't read James chapter one, that the trying of your faith works patience, what you asked me for. And if you let this thing work, then you'll be perfect and entire what you wanted in the first place. Right. You know, so therefore, why don't you just, you've asked me for it. Let me work. Exactly. And that's the, in my opinion, that's the whole mindset that's presented in James and first Peter is no matter how many things you go through. Like I said a minute ago, you have two options, grow or become stagnant. Yep. And how many people want to drink stagnant water? Uh, I've smelled some stagnant water before and it is gross. (laughs) But the thing is we have to want to be pleasing and we have to desire to grow. Right. Because that's ultimately what boils down to when we have storms in life, we have to choose, are we going to grow or are we going to let these things hinder us in our growth? Mm. And that's uh, just like, uh, what First Peter chapter three and verse seventeen says. I put that in here because uh, really, when you think about it, there's no other way that you want to be. Right. Because when we think about suffering as Christians, and maybe having friends look down on us, or having people say, "Oh, well, I don't, I don't believe what you believe," and you think, "Well, I'm losing a friend here." Think about what Peter is telling the Christians who have a possibility of being burned at the stake alive. Hmm. People who are being dipped in tar, put on a on a piece of wood and lit to be a lamp in a garden. He says, or it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Hmm. He says suffering is going to come either way. Yeah. It's just, are you going to be a Christian when it's happening or are you going to be a sinner when it's happening? We have to choose what we're doing and we also have to choose the outcome of it. Yeah. Because I personally would much rather be brought to jail or brought to any other reason or any other place because I'm a Christian or because I preach the truth right. rather than being brought into prison because I was a murderer or I was a thief. Uh, that's the whole idea that Peter's saying here is when suffering comes, be on the right side of it. Right. And if you go to the next verse in verse 18, he said, look, even if you suffer, you're not the only one that did it. Mm-hmm. Cause he said, Christ also suffered for the just that he might bring us to God. So in a sense, Peter's saying, look, I understand And it's not like Peter wasn't going through it either, because, you know, if history is correct, he was, you know, crucified upside down. So it's not like Peter wouldn't understand suffering. But he was saying here, he said, look, someone else suffered that was greater than us. So in a sense, Peter's saying, because I walked with him and you guys are following him because you believe in him. Suffering for the Christian, again, it's not a it's not a giddy type of suffering, but it's it's man, like I can be associated with Christ right? because he suffered first. Right. Anything I'm going through cannot even compare to what he went through. Anything I could ever go through is nothing compared to what he went through. But right. for the fact that I can suffer um, by bearing his name, that's a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's something that Peter wanted them to understand. Look, Christ suffered for you, but man, you get to partake in this. Remember Paul said, partake in the sufferings of Christ. That's a badge of honor for those guys. And I think we've kind of lost that type of mentality when it comes to suffering that, you know, Christ did it first, man. I'll suffer with him, you know? And just the exact point that you're making, since you got an extra verse, I guess I can get an extra (laughs) verse. Uh, Look down to chapter four and verse 12. Because Peter says that exact same thing that you're saying. He says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to uh, try you, 
as though some strange thing is happening of, unto you. Mm. He says, it's not strange. You're not, I hate to say this as, as truthful as this is, you're not special. Yeah, you're not special. Uh, this thing is going to happen to everybody. Yeah. And so you need to learn to kind of get over yourself, first of all. Yeah. And look and say, how can I grow and how can I, how can I be more prepared? And that's, uh, in my opinion, that's the reason we have First Peter today. Yeah. Sure, we're not about to endure uh, persecution like the first century church did. But each one of us are going to have difficulties in life. One thing that molded my youth work, and I think I told you this plenty of times, the way to be a good youth minister, the way to be a good preacher, the way to be a good person is whenever someone comes to you with a difficulty in their life, don't say, oh, that's nothing. When a teenager comes to you, they might be 13 years old. And I've just gone through a breakup and said, but I loved him. Yeah. We know they probably didn't. <laughs> but the thing is, when they come to you with situations like that, realize a situation and a difficulty to them might not be the same intensity that it is for us, but it's just as real for them as it is for us. Mm. When they go through a difficulty, when they go through a hardship, when you go through a hardship, it might not be the same thing that I've gone through. Right. I might have gone through exponentially worse. But we should all re- realize and remember that is a very important thing to somebody. Yeah. And uh, you might talk to someone who's had cancer and you might have the flu. Just because you've had cancer doesn't mean that their flu is not any more real. Right. <laughs> so that's... Uh, this is just a free little tidbit of advice to anybody who's working in the youth field. Don't just brush off anybody who is having a difficulty. Yeah. Be there for them and help them because you would want the same for you. Yeah. And I don't know. You remember, um, I think it was when brother Moser talked about the funeral classes, uh, mm-hmm. kind of what, you know, kind of etiquette things you should be doing and stuff. Remember he told us, you know, even if he said, even if you lost somebody the week before and you're going to a funeral the next week, never say, I understand or, or never say, you know, things because you, you don't, the only thing you understand is, okay, you both lost somebody, but the way that that person meant to them is totally different than what the other person meant to you. And so brother Moser, I remember he always talked about just saying, uh, you know, you're in my thoughts or, you know, I'm, I'm there for you or, you know, things like that to show them that, you know, when they're done with their grieving process, that they can come to you, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, with advice that you just, you've just given, you know, that's the stuff that I, I took from you, you know, at, at Forest Hill. And, you know, when I worked uh, with the youth where I am now is just noticing and, and helping them because things aren't, are intense to them right now. Right. But for us, it's like, you know, it's it's not as intense because we've been through way worse. Right. But for them, that is their way worse. Right. You know, and so under, and I think that's where, bringing up Peter again, that's mm-hmm. where even in Second Peter, that's why he talked about add to your faith, patience, temperance, brotherly kindness. Because when your brother goes through something, you know, the way it affects him or the way it affects her may have affected you in a totally different way mm-hmm. but you need to be understanding to that brother to see how that affected him because right. you know you could get over something quickly you know I, you remember us talking at the school of preaching especially with you know teenagers or young college age breakups some people when they break up some people we used to say they had wolverine hearts yeah so you know they can heal up quick and they mm-hmm. can they could just go in not like it never happened but they know they know how to move on because they've done it before. They know how to move on. But for the other person, that may have been their first serious thing. Mm-hmm. And then when they see them with somebody else, then they're like, "Was I? Did I mean nothing to that?" And then they come talk to us. Right. But that's when we have to be understanding with our brethren. Right. And I think that that goes into 
with weathering the storm. And I've really enjoyed talking uh, with you on this podcast, man. I hope you listeners have enjoyed uh, talking about weathering the storm. You may be going through something right now, um, but I hope you look at these verses again, you know, and that's why we always talk about meditating on the scripture and, and reading it. Um, you know, just because the scripture is the only thing that can really help you, you know, mm-hmm. Hasty and I, as much as we want to help and encourage the scripture can be the ultimate helper. You know, yes. we're just, we're just the messenger voice. And so I hope you all have enjoyed this podcast. And before we get out of here, uh, Hasten, if you want to um, kind of plug your social media, just so, uh, like I said before, you never know what kind of questions you'll get. Uh, right. So, you know, kind of plug the social media and the things that you're on right now. Well, uh, let me find my uh, Instagram <laughs> handle so that you can reach out to me on there. Uh, it's H Handley, H-H-A-N-D-L-E-Y, 814. Uh, if you ever have any questions, you can send them to me on there, or you can reach out to Jordan and try and get hold of me because Jordan has my cell phone number, my Facebook, my yeah. Instagram, everything. Uh, if you want to look me up on Facebook, it's Haston Handley, H-A-S-T-O-N, H-A-N-D-L-E-Y. And, you know, you can get hold of me there. Uh, I'm, I'm no stranger to being woken up at 2 a.m., by a teenager finding their way into my apartment and asking me questions. Yeah. Uh, so I'm definitely not going to be upset if anyone messages me or asks me any question. Uh, I might not give the best advice. I'm only 23 years old. <laughs> I've been doing this for five years. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not the most uh, well-versed with, you know, everything in life, but I'm going to point you to the Bible. Right. So if there's anything you ever need, just let me know. Yeah, and we appreciate Hasten being on, and hopefully we can have him on pretty soon. Uh, hopefully we can get together at some time. Yeah. You know, we got to find, we got to do something. We'll figure yeah. something out. We always do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy the podcast and uh, continue to grow, continue to read, and continue to study. And we'll see you all next time. Appreciate it, guys.